Hey, it's John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and it's The Entrepreneurial You, the show for dedicated and passionate Caribbean entrepreneurs seeking daily inspiration, brought to you by author, speaker, and award-winning entrepreneur, Henneka Wakis-Porter. You must be prepared to ignite. Coming up on this episode of The Entrepreneurial You. Hollywood is now beginning to shoot movies using what's called 360 video or spherical video where they have video cameras that have individual movie cameras that are lined up in a circle. You've got a camera on the top, camera on the bottom. And so they essentially are filming a sphere of video. Hi, I'm Henneke Watkins-Sporzo, your inspirational leader and host of the Entrepreneurial You podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Bookophilio, Patwa Apparel, and the Jamaica Stock Exchange. And now, let's go to today's episode. Here to share with our peak performers community today is an author, research scientist, instructor, and a consultant to government and industry in the era of augmented and virtual reality. For more than 20 years, his work has focused on the application of head-mounted displays, 3D sound, and tactile feedback devices in areas such as architecture, defense, oceanography, medicine, and entertainment. I'm so happy to have on the Entrepreneurial You today, Stephen Axtacolnis. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you very much, Hanukkah. I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you today. Here's a fun question for you. Like I normally do with all my guests, I normally start with a different fun question for each of them. And it goes like this. Would you rather have a real transformer car or have a space shuttle in your backyard? I'd rather have the space shuttle. Okay, that's easy. (laughs) All right, so please go ahead and tell us your social media handle so that we can tweet at you or whatever it is that you do on social media. Perhaps the best way to get through to the different social media platforms is to simply visit practicalar.com, the website for the book, and then it leads off to the Twitter and Facebook pages from there. Okay, thank you. And of course, my peak performers know that you can reach out to me at Henneke Watkins Portal on all platforms, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, as well as com, and also Pato Apparel on all those platforms and patoapparel.com. So, Stephen, I'm excited to talk with you today because you're going to be sharing about augmented and virtual reality. First of all, I need to understand what is augmented reality, what is virtual reality, and the difference between the two? Virtual and augmented reality, they are often part of the same conversation, though, as you point out, they're very different technologies. The first, virtual reality, is a completely computer-generated replacement to your true visual and audio surroundings. This experience is delivered to the user through what's called a head-mounted display. So in put on this very small, lightweight helmet, I guess you would call it. In front of each eye is a small flat panel display. Between the flat panel display and your eyes are a set of special optics, which spread the images to cover most of your vertical and horizontal field of view. And then there's sensors that track exactly where you're looking. So it tracks the position X, Y, and Z, and orientation, or the roll, pitch, and yaw of your head, so the computer knows what images to draw, and the net result is that this gives you the visual sensation of being inside 
of the 3D images. So if you can imagine visiting an architect's office who's just designed a home for you, they sit you down, put a head-mounted display on, and you are actually able to move through that design as if that building had already been constructed. So you can look up, you can physically turn your head around and look at the door that you just came through. It's a very compelling sensation of immersion into the images. Augmented reality is very different. Here, you're also wearing a head-mounted display, but this is what's called an optical see-through display, where you can actually see through the, the viewing optics. And what you see are either textual or graphic icons that have some relevance to what you're looking at in your real world. So as an example, you put on one of these augmented reality displays and you look down the street and you will see little virtual signs in front of each of the storefronts showing you what what the name of the store is or perhaps their, their menus. Doctors use these technologies, for instance, to overlay x-rays or CAT scan images onto their real world view of the patient's hand or their body so that they can see. And, and, that, and that overlay is stabilized. So as a doctor walks around the table, for instance, or the bed that you're lying on, the imagery remains stable and locked into position on your body. So they're able to see the medical imagery overlaid onto the patient, or they're able to see your vascular structure so that they can start an IV easier. NASA uses the technology on the space station as a portable display for the astronauts, which goes back to why I would rather have a space shuttle in my backyard. Um, <laughs> and so one gives you the visual sensation of being inside of the images. The other augments or supplements your real world view with either text or graphical information that holds some relevancy to what you're looking at. That's a mouthful. And for, for those of us who are not quite as technical, now what I would love for us to do, Stephen, is to bring it home right now to entrepreneurship. How is, let's look at augmented reality. How has it been used in entrepreneurship in businesses? How can I use it specific to my business, which is for a clothing company? So for a clothing company, I would think, uh, let's say that you're an extremely large clothing company and you have people that are running up and down aisles on motorized carts and they're picking orders or picking items in order to fulfill different orders. This actually happens with Amazon right now, where the people that are doing the picking tasks, they put on the head-mounted display, they enter in their user ID, and then the system will start to draw lines, draw maps and arrows and so on that guide them through the maze of the different, uh, through the warehouse in order to help them efficiently get to the first bin where they take an item out, put it into the hopper, they move on to the next one. The goal with Amazon or any retailer or, for instance, your business of a particularly large size would be to, if you can carve maybe 15 or 30 seconds off of each picking task, over the course of an eight-hour shift, you're able to fulfill more orders. And so your workers are becoming more productive, which in turn directly reflects on the bottom line of your business. It increases efficiency, increases accuracy. 
there's one particular application that could be applicable in in your line of business. Now, this is assuming that you know you're working with you know, you know a large warehouse, you know, with many many aisles and many different bins that you have to go and pick from. So, it essentially, then it's for it's it's not necessarily for startup, you know, uh, retailers, for example, or you know those small businesses. More geared towards a large business. Let me let me take it a different stage, a uh, different way further. There are Japanese companies right now where you go into their store and you put on a head mounted display and you stand in front of a mirror and you're actually able to flip through the different clothing items of clothing that you have picked out and see what it will look like overlaid onto your real world reflection in the mirror the, the same thing is happening with cosmetic companies where you want to see what the blush will look like or what that color lipstick will look like kind of put on a head mounted display and it will track your lips or apply the appropriate coloring to your facial features and so on to allow you to see firsthand without putting any of this stuff physically on your body, you're able to see how your will appear if you had put it on. I know some some cellular phones now, they have the ability, once you take a picture, let's say you take a selfie, you're able to when you're editing that photograph on your phone, you're able to add, apply makeup, you know, apply blush and so on. Is, is, would that be the, the type of technology that is in there? Very similar, except for that you're, instead of looking at your cell phone and a selfie that you've taken, there are augmented reality applications now where you can just look in the reflection of a mirror and see it in real time. You can turn sideways, see what it would look like, and the motion of your body is being tracked. And so it's able to, for instance, allow you to try on the dress without trying on the dress. And you're looking in real time at your reflection, but using the head mounted display, it just overlays very accurately that dress onto your figure. Let's finish up this segment on AR, as it were, and kind of get a sense of how expensive is this technology to implement? This is a very young field. Even though these technologies have been used by government agencies, the Defense Department of not only the United States, but many European countries, South American countries, for a couple decades now, these products are just now, in the last couple of years, beginning to appear um, and, and consumer price points. And so right now, really good augmented reality displays cost approximately $1,500 to $2,000. Per unit. But within the next two years, these prices will come under $1,000. The performance will be dramatically increased. The resolution of the displays will be going up. And they will come down to about the size of a pair of Bole sunglasses, as opposed to being uh, larger uh, structures right now that have to use these heavy specialized optics. And all of this, there's um, multiple systems that are being designed and tested right now that actually use the retina of your eye as the projection surface. So you'll have nothing in front of your eyes except for maybe a tinted lens like you would with a normal pair of sunglasses. But these are projecting into your eyes and using the retina as a display surface. So approximately two, maybe three years from now, you'll see the prices for these systems come down to under $1,000 each. 
Quite an interesting conversation I've been having here with Stephen Axtokalnis, and he's enlightening us about augmented and virtual reality. More so augmented reality we've been talking about. We're going to take a break now to thank my sponsor. And after I come back, then we're going to now delve into virtual reality, spend some more time into virtual reality. Peak performance. Success is something that we gradually work towards as an end goal but we need to be in the right environment to make it happen. Bookophilia is dedicated to providing a space for book, coffee and tea lovers, creatives, educators, students and professionals who want ideas, innovation and inspiration. They have a variety of high quality books, a cafe, events such as book launches, signings and art exhibitions and Professional services uniquely tailored to your needs, culture, and tastes. Their environment provides for the full literary arts experience, allowing for multifaceted creative expressions. Find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Book of Filio. Do you want to see the world filled with better leaders? Filling the world with leaders worth following starts with you in your company, organization, or community. On May 4, 2018, Join more than 100,000 leaders from around the globe at the world's largest leadership event, LeaderCast Live. Broadcast live from Atlanta to a community near you, LeaderCast Live brings together acclaimed global leaders to create a leadership experience unlike any other. Learn from leaders like Andy Stanley, Michael Hyatt, and Dr. Jim Lear on why it's essential to develop your core values and principles as a leader. Join us at LeaderCast Live and discover the tools you need to lead yourself first so you can lead the way for others. For more information on this can't miss event, visit hennikawatkisporter.com and click on Leadercast Kingston and invest in the future of your career, your organization, your community, and your world. Welcome back. And we are going to be continuing our conversation with Stephen Axtokalnis as he continues to enlighten us in this very technological arena, very scientific arena of virtual reality and augmented reality. Welcome back, Stephen. Hello, Henneka. Okay, so why should I consider uh, to expand my brand using augmented reality? Increased public awareness. Right now in North America, in Asia, and Europe, virtual and augmented reality are some of the hottest areas in computer science and computer graphics. They are dominating the gaming industry, the entertainment industry. There are innumerable companies that are starting to incorporate these technologies either in promotion uh, of their products or worked in as part of their products. And so, for instance, one idea that's popping off the top of my head is if you were to have T-shirts, there are certain graphical symbols that can be printed onto your T-shirt that when somebody views them through an augmented reality display or has the correct application on their cell phone and holds their phone up, and using a camera looks at your shirt, it will look as if huge three-dimensional objects can look like they're growing off of you. And so, for instance, you could have just these simple symbols on your shirt, but when somebody views them through these viewing devices, it'll look like a massive bouquet of flowers. Or some, you know, looks like uh, maybe that you have a koala bear hugging you or something like that. Now, I have not seen any retailers do this as of yet, 
any clothing manufacturers that actually do this as of yet. But uh, for instance, magazines right now, they are printing these symbols amongst the pictures on just a standard magazine page. You look at it through one of these augmented reality displays with the correct application running or using your mobile device or your cell phone or your tablet and viewing it through there. You can actually view large 3D structures, whatever they have, whether or not it's a piece of furniture or a bouquet of flowers or maybe a vacation destination, some portion of a vacation destination where a 3D representation of that will jump out of the page and be right there in front of you. And so there are ways that this can be worked into a clothing retailer uh, or other retail um, outlets that can figure out innovative ways to use this to increase brand awareness or to actually um, make your marketing efforts stand out more because people would want to see this so it draws them into your retail outlet. So there are clearly opportunities here for marketers. Now, how do we measure or how can we measure the reach of virtual reality? The easiest metric is to measure or just count how many people have actually downloaded the application or purchased the head-mounted display with your particular application uh, that's installed on it. And in your experience with persons using uh, virtual reality you know, equipment, as it were, technology, what are some of the, the common mistakes that you would probably identify advertisers making? This is such a brand new area that... Uh, literally everything everybody tries. There's going to be hiccups. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be innumerable opportunities to try and find the best way to harness harness these technologies for your particular use. I'm really serious about that. With these technologies only being commercially available at uh, consumer level price points for a couple of years now, Everybody's still scrambling, just as there are innumerable opportunities to apply them. There's also innumerable opportunities to make a mistake. The inventors of the incandescent light bulb were famously quoted as saying in the development of the light bulb, they learned a thousand different ways to not make it before they arrived at the proper one. And so I wouldn't necessarily look at uh, at this stage of the game as um, the errors that are being made, but um, different with this as part of the exploration process is finding an application that will drive the bottom line, that will drive traffic into your retail outlet, that will help your business increase the bottom line by increasing efficiency. And so I wouldn't necessarily put it into the category of making a mistake as much as we're in an, exp- in an exploratory time right now. The wonderful thing is that in many of these areas that we could call mission critical. So for instance, medical applications, engineering applications, defense applications, you're able to make mistakes without consequence. And so for instance, um, surgical simulators that are available now allow a surgical student or a practicing physician to actually practice and carry out the procedure over and over and over and over again in a simulation, in a simulated environment where if they make a wrong cut, where they do something wrong, there's no downstream ramifications. You just restart the simulation and do it again. NASA, for instance, uses this to train pilots on how to do aerial refueling, where you pull up your plane next to an aerial tanker and you plug your probe into the receptacle 
Uh, and if you happen to fly your real aircraft into the virtual aircraft that's right next to you, there's you know nothing happens. You just restart the simulation and you go at it again until you get the maneuver down right. Looking at both technologies, uh, how long ago would you say it has been around, and what, if any, has been the improvement since it has been around? I initially got started in this field in the late '80s, and at that time. The head-mounted displays weighed approximately five pounds. They required graphic supercomputers in order to generate real-time frame rates. A real-time frame rate for each eye. The display resolutions were very, very low. Fast forward to the present, and most of the commercially available displays that are out now or those that are being introduced throughout this and next year weigh less than a pound. The display resolution has come up uh, I mean, five, six, seven times what it used to be back in the late 80s. And instead of requiring a graphic supercomputer, you can actually, there are some of these displays that will use your cell phone display. So for instance, your Samsung Galaxy can generate real-time frame rates using the processor that's in the phone. And so weights have gone down, resolutions of the displays have come up, the performance of the of all-around computing technologies and the main uh, CPUs has come up dramatically, which has enabled the reemergence of this field and the release of displays that are consumer-level price points. So quite some improvement. What can you tell us about the side effects that are associated with virtual reality devices? Excellent question. Now we'll be referring only to the virtual reality uh, side of things. When you have a very compelling visual sensation of motion, but you don't have the corresponding inner ear cues or the vestibular cues, the, the normal senses that tell you whether or not you're standing straight up or your head's tilted to the side, when there is that disconnect of sensory information going to the brain, the side effect that comes about from this is you initially cold sweats and then increased stomach awareness, and then you might start feeling a little bit nauseous. The interesting aspect to this is that with two or three short exposures to this, your body actually adapts and it's no longer an issue. For clarity, this is the exact opposite of real motion sickness. So if you can imagine being on the inside of a boat during a storm, everything looks stable inside of the boat, but the vestibular cues or the inner ear cues, you sense that you're getting bashed around and you know your, your orientation is shifting back and forth. That's motion sickness. Simulator sickness, or what we're describing here for virtual reality, is the inverse of that, where you have the visual sensation of motion, but you don't have those crazy inner ear cues taking place. So one's in the inverse of the other, but they both result in basically the same side effects. You can get, uh, you can also adapt to that. All you have to do is a, a few short exposures to it, and then the problem goes away. Another interesting aspect of this is that women are far more susceptible to simulator sickness than men. The scientific literature also shows that women of Asian descent are far more susceptible than, for instance, women in North America or the Caribbean. And researchers don't understand why the geography of where you're from or your national heritage 
the physical aspects behind that. Nobody understands why that is, but women are far more susceptible than men and Asian women are far more susceptible um, by a large margin than women from anywhere else on the planet. Most strange. That's yeah, that is most strange and interesting our research there that has um, been done and the findings quite interesting. I'm really excited to know that I'm living in these times though, you know, Stephen, that there is so much development that's going on technologically. There is so much, um, and even this technology is not specific to just entrepreneurs, but certainly entrepreneurs can use this technology to grow our businesses and to, to compete effectively. And, you know, because at the end of the day, we just want to make sure that we, our bottom line, you know, we're increasing our bottom line, we're staying in business and anything to make that happen is a plus for us. Now, an interesting uh, discovery was made that, you know, Facebook has invested over $2 billion in virtual reality. Why you think that is? Virtual reality, if you're using it alone, it starts to get a little dull. And, um, you know, playing little games, you know, games of skill and things like this and all that. Um, uh, whereas if you're able to put on a head mounted display and jump into a multi user environment where you your person is actually represented by a graphical form that others can see and you can see the other people's graphical form, you can carry on conversations, you can carry out activities together. This is the. The, the baseline reasoning behind Facebook jumping in as early as they did. There was a company that they acquired um, that was called Oculus. It was only two and a half years old when they paid close to $2 billion to acquire the company, their intellectual property for the head-mounted displays and so on. And they wanted to jump in early be the first of the social media companies to jump in early and then begin to explore how to bring people together to share experiences um, in the same way that Facebook does, but on a two-dimensional display where you're just sharing pictures. Well, if you can start to share experiences, for instance, you meet your, I put on my head-mounted display, my friend in Jamaica puts on her head-mounted display, and together we go and walk along a beach in the South Pacific. This is what they're trying to get to, is trying to explore multi-user environments, um, you know, where you can bring people in from all over the planet together to interact in different types of situations, whether or not it's what I just explained, a casual stroll together, or, for instance, being able to hold a board meeting with everybody geographically distributed or spread out all over the world. But instead of using a video conferencing system, you put on your head mounted display and you could all be sitting around the same boardroom table. So this is what they're trying to, this is what they're doing exploring now is how to leverage this capability uh, in order to advance their business model. As I sit here, listen to you, you know, yes, I'm sitting, my peak performers, as I sit here listening to you, Stephen, all I can think to myself is what's what's next? What are we going to be coming with, you know, that is going to be so technologically advanced because we have obviously been doing it all. Yes. Um, one of the next major uh, thrust areas for these technologies is coming out of Hollywood. So everyone is familiar with standard video where you're using a camera and you film a particular shot or a particular view, which is then 
displayed on a standard two-dimensional screen, whether it's a desktop monitor or you go into a theater to see a movie. Hollywood is now beginning to shoot movies using what's called 360 video or spherical video, where they have video cameras that have individual movie cameras that are lined up in a circle. You've got a camera on the top, camera on the bottom. And so they essentially are filming a sphere of video. What's happening all the way around, then you can deliver that imagery back to people that are wearing head-mounted displays. So this isn't computer-generated. This is actually um, digital film that's been cut or shot and playing it back. And so as an example, you can go to YouTube right now, and there are innumerable 360 videos that have been filmed that you can view using one of these head-mounted displays. The musician Paul McCartney, about a year and a half ago, uh, he was doing a concert where they had one of these special cameras on the stage right next to his piano, and then another one out in the audience. And as he's playing the song Live and Let Die, if you're viewing this with your head-mounted display on, you can physically turn your head to the left, you can see Paul McCartney playing the piano. You can physically turn your head to the right and you can look down the stage and see his drummer. You can look up and see the scaffolding with the lights, or you can transfer your viewpoint out to the camera that was put in the middle of the audience. And you can watch it as if you were a regular audience member looking around at the people dancing around and around you and so on. Look up at the stages of flash pots are going off and all that. And this area of entertainment is going to explode onto the market beginning next year in a big way. Peak performers, this is a conversation I'm listening and I'm quite in tune and intrigued that, you know, we have come this far and I'm sure you are too. So I know you're going to want to speak with Stephen. You're going to want to reach out to him. So at this point, Stephen, I'm going to ask you to share your contact information with our community. So in September, I had my third book on the topic of virtual and augmented reality published. The title of the book is Practical augmented reality. It's currently a topical bestseller on Amazon. You can also go to practicalar.com and there are links to my social media outlets, uh, links to places where you can purchase the book. Plus on the website, besides full contact information, every month I put out a new technical note that just explains a little bit more about these baseline technologies so that people can gradually start to grasp what is going to, over the next five to seven years, become a dominant feature in computing circles in general. For instance, I suspect that within the next five to seven years, you're going to start seeing desktop monitors no longer needed because people will be able to wear their displays on their head and take them with them wherever they go. And we go into considerable depth on all of this on the website, practicalar.com and if someone wanted to reach out to me, my contact information is there. What a time we've had with Stephen Axtacolnis. He is the augmented and virtual reality expert. We couldn't have found a better person to have this conversation with Stephen. I want to say thank you so much for coming on to the Entrepreneurial You, for sharing your expertise with us. And we look forward to continuing the discussion as we you know, reach out to you after this episode has ended. Hanika, thank you very much. I graciously appreciate the opportunity. And now, a word from our amazing sponsors. We needed to raise capital, but our experience with local financial institutions was that they were cautious 
and slow to act, and interest rates were far too high. We had real concerns about financing our business through outside equity investors and the possibility of interference. Could we get a fair valuation for our business? We had our own ideas about the business and its value. Should I go the traditional route of bank financing or should I try the Jamaica Stock Exchange? So we made a call and experienced transformation of our business through conversations. I'm John Mafood, CEO of Jamaican Teas, and we're listed on the Jamaica Stock Exchange. Give us a call today at 876-967-3271 to begin your transformation through conversation. We want to see your company listed on the Jamaica Stock Exchange. What do you know? We have come to the end of another great episode of the Entrepreneurial You podcast. I trust that you learned something and that something resonated with you so that you can share with others. And speaking of sharing, I'd so love for you to leave a comment on the show notes page of each episode. Well, we're talking about this one in particular. Leave a comment at the end of the page so that when you go the topic, you click down. And at the end, there is an option there for you to comment. If you're accessing through iTunes, then by all means, I'd love for you to leave a rate and review. That will keep us as a top rated podcast. It means a lot to me for you to help me out in this way, right? I know you are listening from all over the world. And I so appreciate it from Japan to Germany to India to Pakistan, everywhere in the Caribbean, in the United States, in Jamaica in particular. Big up my Jamaican peeps. Big up those, of course, in Ohio and all those other states that persons are listening in from, that you are listening in from. I so truly appreciate you. Now, if you want to reach out to me personally, you can actually send me an email, you know, send it to Henneke Watkins Porter at gmail.com. I am truly looking forward to connecting with you. If you want to send me a voicemail too, you can do that through my website. Just go to the middle at the right of the screen. There is an option for voicemail when you go to hennikawatkinsporter.com. I do want to hear from you. Remember, you were born to win, but to be a winner, you must plan to win, prepare to win, and expect to win. What good? 